All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. Um, and if you've been with us, we, we are. I'm, I've kind of designed it to, to do about a four-week series. And we're kind of coming to the end of that series as, we, as I get the opportunity to ask friends, school leaders, what's on their heart or what's at the top of their mind um, as they think about next fall. So much of what we're doing right now is just finishing out, you know, remote learning. And there is this place of there's a lot of uncertainty, but, you know, we're also thinking about the fall and as we get ready for bringing students hopefully back to campus. And, and today I'm with Jerry Eshelman, who's become a, a really good friend, someone I respect quite a bit, and he's the superintendent of Resurrection Christian School in Colorado. So Jerry, I'm just going to throw it over to you and, and see what you're thinking or what you're wondering about as you prepare for next fall. Yeah, thank you, Eric, for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Uh, I will tell you this, what, what is heavy on my mind is, um, is simply one of, uh, I think the first issue is identity. Is, is what will we look like in the fall? Um, I am not a negative Nelly. I'm not a, you know, a bleak picture, half empty glass kind of guy. I'm, I, think, I don't think I'm overly optimistic and I definitely am not pessimistic. I am a realist. I just am an optimistic, a hopeful realist, right? But um, so when I look at this situation for next year, when I look at identity, and I, I mean that in nearly every way possible, you know, uh, what will our enrollment look like? Uh, the the identity in that regard in terms of the families that we have the constituents uh, who's part of our community after this who who is not or who cannot be uh, due to various issues um, I look at staffing you know who what will our staffing identity look like uh, relative to that um, and so you know um, what is heavy on my mind right now is is one thing really and it may sound kind of odd but that is social distancing. Um, as I have looked at this whole issue and done the math and looked at things, um, I'll be honest with you, this, this one parameter of six foot distancing is, uh, is a challenge to me. I certainly understand, you know, the issues behind it, the medical science and so forth involved in it. But the challenge is, is that that metric of six foot social distancing is, is intense. Now here in Colorado right now, if I were to start school today, I'm only allowed to have 10 kids in a class and six feet of social distancing, whichever of those come first. And so, so now in, in many of my classes, I have an average uh, classroom attendance of say 2022. 20, so you can do the math very quickly there and realize where's half my kids go and where are they at? And so, um, you know, I can handle a lot of other things, hand washing stations, daily temperature checks on the forehead, uh, even wearing masks. But that one parameter is, is heavy on my mind about the social distancing and how do I get around that and how do we plan for that? Where do I put the kids? Um, it's easy for states, our governors all the time saying, oh, well, well remote learning, we're gonna rely on re remote learning in the fall. Well, what made remote learning work this time was the fact that all their parents were home. And so how do we do this now with childcare? So, so, and then I've got parents who are calling and saying, hey, listen, you know, if, if I'm not going to do this, uh, you know, I, I'm not buying into the brand for online learning. I wanted a full experience. I've got others who are calling and saying, listen, if we even wear masks, if we're even required to wear masks next fall, I'm not sending my kid there to wear a mask all day. So my point is, is all that sort of spins down into what will our identity be? What will we look like and who will we be? 
And uh, the challenges with that, obviously, then with the commensurate revenue and some of the hard decisions that may have to be made there. I, just, I literally just came from three straight days of a, a lock-in with my staff, eight hours a day, literally. We brought in breakfast, brought in lunch, and we worked all day for three days looking at all the scenarios and permutations and iterations of what could happen and then trying to plan for that. So that is, that's where I'm at, is what will we look like and, and what's the plan for it? So can I ask you a question, and, and maybe I'm tying two desperate, you know, disparate things together, you know, in that idea of identity, because one of the things I've heard from a lot of our friends in prior conversations that so much of our identity and who we are and what makes us special and what makes schools special in general, but I think even what makes a lot of our schools, you know, just unique is, is the identity that, you know, we, we have strong communities and have strong relationships. And that, you know, there, there is, like, I think there's this, this kind of even with this remote learning, people will say, you know what, I see my friends or I see people, but I'm, I miss being with them. Yeah. And then you talk about social distancing where, you know, it's like, okay, we're coming up with hybrid approach or mixed approach or how do we, you know, maximize our facility space and our faculty and all those types of things. But how, how, do you, how do you just accentuate the identity or how does that identity of what makes us special in the relationship side of things, but then also this social physical distancing and some of these parameters that the government seems to be kind of, you know, helping us with or helping us figure out along the way. Like, how do those two things match or what was the conversation like, you know, in those meetings with your, with your faculty? Yeah, great question. You know, so part of my, my background is I'm an educational psychologist. So I, my work in the mental health field and, uh, and some of those issues and uh, my specific background is in neuroscience. And so how do we examine these things, right? The social emotional issues, the limbic region of the brain, the limbic system. And, you know, um, one of the things that, um, that we have found that I found refreshing is in many ways, we thought we were losing our kids to computers and social media. Well, lo and behold, it took a worldwide laboratory experiment for us to realize that that's not true at all. Kids crave that proximity. Kids crave that, that you know, being within arm's reach of each other. You know, Zoom only goes so far. Uh, emoticons only go so far on Twitter, whatever it might be. But I've got to be around you and you've got to be around me. And um, what we found and what we discussed in our three days of meetings is, is, um, is the there is no mutual exclusivity. Um, it, it, to make school work and to make school function, and this is a refreshing uh, discovery, maybe a rediscovery, is that we do need to be in proximal distance to each other. We do need to be around each other. And that is the other reason for the angst that I have about the social distancing thing, is that the trickle down of that one parameter, six feet apart, uh, in, in the case here in Colorado, no more than 10 kids in a classroom. Again, if we were to start school today, um, that parameter um, does not allow for the, 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 the social craving that kids have. And what I, I get it that right now we've been listening to a lot of the medical professionals, but I think when you start listening to the, you know, the counseling and, and psychological professionals out there, because this is going to be a thing. And um, you know, here in the state of Colorado, it, when you look at school-aged children, zero to 18, 6% of our state's COVID cases come from that age group. 0.16% of the deaths in the state of Colorado come from that age group. 
So the issue is, is that even though COVID and God forbid, even the death from COVID has, has hardly affected this age group at all, what I can tell you for certainty to a high level, to a high percentage is the amount of mental health issues, uh, depression, sadness, the things that we're hearing from parents. They might've liked this whole social, on, uh, you know, social distancing, online learning thing initially, but it has not gone well uh, overall. Um, and even our attempts to engage the kids, um, to have our chapels streamed, to uh, actually require, we actually required our teachers to have social times with the kids asynchronous live social times where everybody could just log in and just chit chat and talk and be fun and silly um, but that only went so far there is something about being together in communion in community physically that frankly uh, no amount of technology and certainly no amount of policy is going to fix we have to get back together Jerry thank you so much for your wisdom your time and your energy my pleasure. Yeah, I think it's a it's an honor and certainly a privilege, and I and uh, we love it. Um, trying to lead in these times, one of the things we focus on with our staff is um, that they we crave certainty, but um, we can't have it right now. So instead, we have to find clarity, and clarity is simply falling back to what are our core values, and what's that look like? What's most meaningful to us? What's most important to us? And the recalibration of what's valuable and purposeful and meaningful to us has been actually really refreshing. And uh, I think it's gonna be very healthy for it. And we will be better on the other side of this because of that. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, Eric, and everybody else listening. It's a joy and honor privilege to work with you and to be colleagues in the fight with everybody else. So God bless all of us.